take your Bibles and turn them to the book of the Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 119. Now, I will not be reading all of it today, just one section of it. Psalm 119, and we're going to begin uh, reading at verse 17. Psalm 119. I've been talking about the marks of spiritual growth. That is, if we are alive in Jesus Christ, then we will grow and we will produce fruit. As uh, uh, Randy read this morning, we will produce, some of us will produce uh, fruit a hundredfold, some will produce 60-fold, while others produce 30-fold, but we will produce fruit because we're growing in the Lord. And we've been looking at the marks of spiritual growth so that we can look at our lives and, and examine them and see how we are growing and where we need to grow more. And, and we've been talking the last two weeks about love, that the first mark of spiritual growth is love. And that's not surprising because Jesus said, what, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he would go on to say, this is how all men will know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. Well, today we're, and so we looked at how the first spiritual mark is how much we love God and how we love Jesus and The second is how we love one another. And this week we're going to move to what I call learn. Learn. And and, and this week uh, we want to measure ourselves by by our desire for the Word of God. That one of the marks of spiritual growth is, is that as I grow, my desire for God's Word will increase and increase and increase. And so this morning, I want to go to Psalm 119. It is the longest psalm in, 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 in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest psalm. It is an acrostic. Uh, if you, if in some of your Bibles, you'll see that there's a heading under each section. That heading is, the, is, is the, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so in Hebrew, every section begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, and, and most of us, especially if you grew up and went to vacation Bible school, you're familiar with at least a part of this psalm because if you grew up in vacation Bible school, you, you said the pledge allegiance to the Bible. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, and I will what? Make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is Psalm 119 verse 105. And, and then, and then what? I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. And so this morning, we're going to pick up at verse 17 and just read this one section, Psalm 119, verse, beginning at verse 17 and ending at verse 24. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules all the time. 
You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselor. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, as we just take some time to look at this psalm, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And that, that in reading, Lord, we and understanding, our desire for the Word of God would grow. Not because we're trying to, not because we're trying to be good and do good, but simply it's because through this Word we find you. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Three, week, three weeks ago, as I began this series, I said this. I said that spiritual growth is often measured in times of trouble. That is, <clears throat> when we're going through tough times, that's when, first of all, it does help us to grow, but that's, it does help us to see how much we've grown. And, 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 and as the psalmist talks about it, he talks about at the end of the verses that I read, he talked about times of trouble. He, he talked about, he says, he says, you rebuke the insolent, the accursed ones, those who wander from your commandments. Well, listen, that's all of us at times, isn't it not? We wander from God's commandments. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sinners are those who what? Fall short of the glory of God. We fall short and we wander away from God's commandments. And guess what? When people are when people wander away from God's commandments, they they can become scornful and they can hold you in contempt. Especially if you're trying to as the psalmist was saying, trying to keep God's commandments. And then he goes on and he says he says even princes even though princes, verse 23, sit plotting against me, even those in leadership, so that the, those in leadership, so that the whole, are, are leading people away from the word of God. And they are, and they are plotting against those who follow Christ and follow his word. Now, fortunately, we, we have lived in a nation that that, that has not had that. We, 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 we have freedom of religion in this nation. But that's not true in every place in the world. I read this week that one in seven Christians in the world are suffering persecution today. And most of it's happening in places that, that we've never seen and, and most of us will never go to. You know, since we left Afghanistan, Afghanistan has become has become, actually surpassed North Korea as the worst place for Christians to live. But even though we may not face persecution that way, we will go through times of trouble. That's what the Bible says. John Job said in Job chapter 5, verse 7, he said this, but man is born to trouble. <laughs> We're born to it. It's going to happen to us. He goes on to say in, in Job 14, verse 1, man who is born of a woman is few of days 
and full of trouble. Jesus told us, he said what? In this world, you will have what? Tribulations. You're, you're going to struggle in this world. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And, 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 and most of our struggles is ultimately the result of sin. We're going to have troubles physically. Why? Because we live in a fallen world and our, and our bodies are fallen. And we're going to go through troubles because what? This body, from, this body is dying. We're, we're, we're going to go through trouble physically because, because these bodies are not what, all that God created them to be. Thank God he's going to give us a new one one day. But right now we go through trouble because of it. We will go through troubles relationally. Why? Because sin always destroys relationships. And we will struggle. We will struggle at times between husband and wife. We will struggle between, we'll have troubles between uh, parents and children, between children and parents, between neighbors. You'll have trouble with coworkers. You'll have trouble with your boss. You're going to have trouble. And you're going to go through it. <clears throat> but the good news is, is that do, trouble does reveal how much you've grown. When you're squeezed, you find out what comes out. And look at what happens when the psalmist was squeezed. Look what comes out. He says what? My, verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your word, for your rules at all times. Verse 24, you, when I'm squeezed, when I'm going through all this stuff, your testimonies are my delight. They're my delight. They are my counselor. And do, do, do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, listen, he's saying, listen, because I, what I'm finding out in all the troubles that I'm going through is, is that, is that my, my soul is consumed with longing for your word. I found your testimonies are my delight. They're my counselors. There's no greater wisdom that I have than the counsel that comes from the Word of God. When life squeezed the psalmist, what came out? The love for God's Word, his desire for God's Word. The psalmist could say, man, I understand now. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he's a grace-filled believer who follows hard after God. He pursues the enjoyment that only God can give, and he follows the way that the word reveals. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is that how you feel about the word of God? Do, do, do you have to hear his promises? Do you have an appetite that is only satisfied by God's word? Can, can, can you say, as the hymn writer said, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Is that, is that your testimony today? Or is it a little bit of what Ligon Duncan said? L listen to what he said. He says, I think one reason why God's comforting word doesn't penetrate into our situations of trouble like we need it to is not because of its lack of power, 
but because of our lack of pursuit for the Word of God. We don't stay with it long enough till its principles have permeated every molecule of our being and changed the way we look at the trouble that we're in. You hear what he's saying? He's saying the problem is not that the Word of God fails. The promise is that our problem a lot of times is we don't desire it enough in our times of trouble to, and in all times so that it permeates us. So that when we, listen, I, I loved what, I loved what Henry, Henry Blackaby said. He said, you do not know the truth of your situation until you hear from God. You don't know the truth of what you're going through until you hear from God. Listen, I, I, I'm here to tell you that, that, that God's word has, has something to say about everything that you go through in life. It's living and active. And we must pursue it and desire it and love it. So how do we develop that kind of love, that kind of desire for the word of God? Well, the psalmist here in this passage that I've read prays three times to God. He prays three times to God. And in those prayers, he, he tells us how what we pray for in order <coughs> to increase our desire for the word of God. The first is we pray for grace. We pray for grace. Look at what he says in verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Deal bountifully with your servant. Now, this is not a health and wealth gospel promise. This is asking for the Lord's favor. The, the Lord's favor is what Jesus promised us. Did he not say what? I have come that you might have life. And have it mediocre? No, he, it's right. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Man, the, as Christians, we are, we are supposed to have the best life possible. That's what Jesus has promised us. That's what the psalmist is asking for. Lord, give me what you promised to me. Deal bountifully with me. Listen, listen. Real life is yours in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is yours. Acceptance with God is yours. Listen, what we sang this morning is so true. I am not who I think I am. I am who he says I am. I'm chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm not forsaken. Everything is mine in Christ. Renewal, new life. And guess what? Even this world will be ours because what? The meek shall inherit the earth. God is your father. If you're in Christ today, listen. God is your father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your sanctifier and comforter and guide. And so the psalmist says what? Deal bountifully with me. Now, you say, but Steve, you said pray for grace. Why is it? Well, because we don't deserve God to deal bountifully with us, do we? How God deals with us is not based on what we deserve. It's based on his love and favor for us in Jesus Christ. 
And so when we're praying for grace, we're saying, God, deal bountifully with me, not because I deserve it, but because you're a good, good father who the Bible says loves to give good gifts to his children. And Lord, I need that grace because the life that you promised comes by living and keeping your word. That's what he says. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. When I live and keep his word, I live the bountiful life. Not because I deserve it, but because God gives it. This is what Hebrew, this is what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13. Listen to what he says. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, what does he do? Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. When you live out his will, you what? You live the abundant life. Well, how do I live out his will? First, I have to know it, but then, God, I need the grace to enable me to do it. And what does God say here? He will equip you with everything good to do his will. I love what Augustine said. Augustine said, listen, God provides everything that he requires of us. Isn't that awesome? That God provides for you everything he requires of you. He requires perfect righteousness. Well, he provided for for you in Jesus Christ. He, he requires you to do his will. What does he do? He gives you his spirit who what? Enables you, equips you to do his will. And so if I'm praying for grace, I'm praying, God, God, give me the grace to show me your will and enable me to do it because that is the way of receiving your favor. Well, Steve, listen, even when I do as well, I don't do it perfectly. Why am I still receiving his favor? Because it's by grace. By grace. So you're praying for that grace. And so let me ask you a question today. Are you, when, when, do, you, do you have a desire for his word because you desire to know his will and his ways? And, and do you desire that he enable you to do his will? Because that's the way to abundant life. Let me ask you this question. Are you living the abundant life today? Or put another way, if somebody was looking at your life, would they say, wow, that's an abundant life? That's a tough one, isn't it? Because an abundant life is a life that is not problem-free. Thomas has already told us that. It's abundance despite of the trouble. So I'm praying for that grace. But not only do we need to pray for grace, we need to pray for illumination. Look at verse 18. What does he say? Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. 
Have you ever, do, do, do you look at the word of God that way and say, there are wondrous things here. And do you know what the wondrous thing is? It's not the fact that David killed Goliath with a slingshot and a couple stones. That's not wondrous. Let me tell you the wondrous thing that you find here. It's God himself. It's God himself. It's, this is his story. And why do you find God in his word? Because when you look into his word, you see the face of Christ. Do you realize that, that the whole Old Testament is a foreshadow of Christ who is to come? So that when you're looking at the Old Testament, you're seeing shadows, but the shadow you're seeing is of Jesus. And then when you get to the Gospels, you get to see Jesus himself. And then the, the rest of the New Testament is a reflection of what they saw in Jesus. Don't, don't go to the Bible to look for tips on how to live. Isn't that amazing today? That a lot of sermons are just about tips on how to live. Listen, I, I, can, I can go to the bookstore to find that stuff. There's only one place I can go to find Jesus, and that's here. He said, he said to the, to the uh, he, he, he told the, the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures. He said, but listen, when you search the scriptures, there you find me. Because this is his story. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, when we with unveiled face, now what does he mean by that? Well, you remember, <coughs> you know, the unveiled face there is a reference to Moses. When Moses met with God on the mountain, God's glory reflected off of Moses' face so that Moses' face shone. But when he left the mountain, and as he was away from the mountain, the glory began to fade. And that discouraged the people. Because they, they saw the glory fading, and they didn't want to see that. So Moses put, it on, put on the veil to keep the people from seeing the glory fade. What Paul is saying is because we found Christ, the glory never fades. Because Christ is with us always. And he's saying, listen, we behold his face. Where do we look at his face? In a mirror. What's the mirror? It's right here. It's his word. And we see his glory. And what? listen, guess what? When we see his glory, it changes us from glory to glory. That is, we're growing and we're becoming more like Christ. Why? Because listen, listen to me. All true life change that honors God and has any spiritual worth to it comes from seeing the glory of God, not from making lists of behaviors and trying to copy them. What do I mean by that? It's because, listen, what, what do I mean is this. When I look into the scriptures, I see Christ. But how do I see Christ? Well, how do I see these wondrous things? What does the psalmist says? He says, open my eyes 
that I might see wondrous things from your law. So when I come to the word, I need to say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I might see Christ in your word today. You see, we're a lot like Balaam. We're a lot like Balaam. Anybody remember the story of Balaam? Balaam tried to curse Israel. And so he got on his donkey and was headed down the road. And you see, the donkey had some spiritual sense to him because he saw an angel in the way with a flaming sword blocking the path. And the donkey would not go. But Balaam's eyes were shut to the spiritual reality that was in front of him. So he tries to kick the donkey, trying to get the donkey to go. He's trying to beat it. And finally, what happens? God opens Balaam's eyes to the spiritual reality in front of him. You see, that's us. God has to open our eyes to the spiritual reality in front of us so that we might see Christ. So that when we read a passage, we might read it a hundred times. But then on the hundred and first time, God opens our eyes. And then all of a sudden we see a new truth. And the warm ministering balm of God's word ministers to our hearts and our eyes are open to the power of his promise. Or we're going our own way and then all of a sudden God opens our eyes and we see a warning in scripture that we've never seen before. And we go, oh, that's the way I've been going. And I can't go that way. Now I remember, you probably heard me tell this story, but I remember... Early on in my Christian walk, as I had recommitted my life to the Lord, um, I had, a, you know, when I was away from the Lord, and especially, you know, I didn't do this at home around my family growing up, but when I was out with friends and everything, I, I had a mouth that could make a sailor blush. And so when I came back to the Lord, you know, immediately I knew I couldn't use that language anymore. But I, I, would, I, I would use a... I would use some phrases that I, I that were not overtly um, evil and, or or really bad, but but it wasn't really wasn't that uplifting. And, and I remember my dad told me one time, Steve, you need to you know you need to you, you don't need to say things like that. And and I was like, well, why? Ain't no big deal. And then all of a sudden one day, and so I didn't think anything about it until one day I was reading in the Word that said. And it said, my eyes were open for the first time, and it said, do not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only that that will build up and edify your brother. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit warned me, and I got the warning. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. It wasn't because I decided that I couldn't use that language anymore. It only happened when God's word illumined me and helped me to see. And you see, that's when life change happens. That comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so when I come to the Word of God, listen, I've got to be praying. And I need, when, when, before I read God's Word, I need to pray. But you cannot, you cannot divorce Bible reading and prayer. You cannot study the Bible without prayer. You pray and then study. You pray and then memorize. You pray and then meditate. You pray and then think. 
You pray and then speak. You pray, listen. You pray and then you listen to the Word of God taught and preached. You want to maybe understand why you didn't get anything out of the Sunday school lesson or you didn't get anything out of the sermon? Let me ask you a question. Did you pray and ask God to reveal himself through what was being said that day? Listen. When God illumines and you begin to hear his voice and you begin to see his face through his word, you'll want it more and more and more and your desire will increase. Your desire will increase when, you, when you're living that abundant life that only comes through his word. Your desire for the word of God will increase as you see him through his word. And then the psalmist says, pray for guidance. Look at verse 19. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm a sojourner on this earth. I'm a pilgrim on this earth. I'm here traveling on this earth. This is not my home. I'm a, Lord, I'm a stranger to this world, so don't hide your commandments from me. Lord, Lord, I'm a pilgrim on this word. Lord, I need your guidance. C.S. Lewis says this. He said, "If, if you read the history of this world, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present day world were precisely those who thought more of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, listen. The reason that Christians have become ineffective in this world is because they've made this world their home. And they're not thinking about home anymore. It's the Christians who think most of home who do the most good here. You see, we're called to be a pilgrim. Our home is the city of God. Our community here is the church, the visible testimony of the invisible kingdom of God. It is a community, a community of faith, but this is still not our home. And because this is not our home, We need guidance in how to live here. Listen, I remember going to India. Scared to death going to India. And and the second time I went, I I, I, I had to spend three days by myself in a town with nobody else on my team. Can I tell you what I did for three days? I prayed and I stayed in my hotel room. You want to tell you why? And then I, until the person who knew where he was going came and picked me up and took me to where I needed to preach. I stayed around the hotel because I didn't know everything and anywhere to go. I could go off and start walking and then not find my way back because I was not at home. 
I did not speak the language because I was not at home. I did not know the customs because I was not at home. And because I was not at home, I did not do much because I did not have the guidance that I needed. The problem with most of us is, is that we made this our home so that we don't need the guidance in how we live here. The psalmist says, listen, I'm a sojourner here. I'm a pilgrim here. I'm not at home here. God, please don't hide your commandments from me. Do you hear the desperation in his voice? You want to desire God's word more? then recognize you're not at home. Don't get so comfortable in how the world does things and the way the world does things. And then desperately say to God, God, I need the guidance. I need your commandments. Don't hide them from me because I need to know how to live here. let me ask you a question. Do you have that desperate need for God's guidance? Or have you made this world too much your home? Here's the mark. The mark of your spiritual growth is your desire for the Word of God. Is it something that you only need on Sundays to get through the week? For some Christians, that's all they need because that's all they, that's all that, excuse me, that's not all they need, but that's all they want. Because it's only on Monday, on Sunday that they get it. it is all the words of God you need is a quick little devotional thought to get you through the whole day and is that enough? You see, that's the measure of your spiritual growth. And can I tell you, let me just say this. It's not that I have arrived, as Paul said, but I keep pressing on. My desire for the Word of God is not where it ought to be today. There's always going to be room for more. But where are you at? Do you have a longing for the abundant life? Are you, are, are you living the abundant life? If you're not living the abundant life, it's because you're not living according to this. And if you're not living according to this, it's because you, your desire for it is not enough. Are, are, are you constantly seeing new things in the face of Christ? Because of how it's being revealed in your word, his word. 
If it's not, then you need to desire it more so that you could seek him more. Are you desperate need of guidance? Or are you content with living how the world lives? And doing the things the way the world goes? Or are you desperate in need for, Lord, how do I need to deal with this today? What direction do I need to go in today? How do I need to respond to this today? Or are you just content in the way you've always done? If that's not you, then you need to grow. That's the mark. The mark is how we desire the Word of God. We're going to learn next week that a second part of that is how much do I desire the Word of God with one another? How much do I desire learning from each other and teaching one another? But right now, you've got to deal with yourself. Where are you at? And where does God want you to grow this week? Pray together.